I just want people to pick up the yarn. To me, these are all gateways. So what I want to do is show you all the different things, like I will wrap it around a vase or I will pick up size zero needles and, you know, knit some socks. But the point is, is that you take this ball of string <laughs> or whatever it is and you turn it into something. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. And then that something can then be something that you give to someone else that puts a smile on their face. It's that basic. Like we're in this big technological world. It's really still that basic. Just taking the time to put a little piece of yourself into something and putting it out into the world. And that's it. That was Vicki Howell, knit, crochet, and craft expert, a mother of three, and a penchant for lifestyle culture and creative parenting on this episode of the Power Pearls podcast, where you'll always hear candid conversations with everyday knitters and designers with compelling backstories. I'm Karagat Warner, editor of Creative Knitting Magazine, and I dig deep and ask the big question, why we started knitting in the first place and what keeps our needles going. Welcome to the Power Pearls podcast. Today I am chatting with knit, crochet, and craft expert Vicki Howell, who is most well known as the host and creative consultant of DIY Network and HGTV's show Nitty Gritty. She's also the international spokesperson for Yarnspirations and more recently has become the Yarn Arts Ambassador for Clover Needles. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Vicki. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited that you joined me today, Vicki, because you know I've been following your career since the days of Nitty Gritty, and I am constantly amazed at your accomplishments. Um, yeah, that's really nice of you. Thanks. Can you believe that that's been 10 years? I know, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's just... 11, it's actually. Crazy, crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, pr I provided a little overview about you with the listeners. And, yeah. and now I just want, you know, I'd love it if you could just jump in and share a bit more about yourself and what you're up to these days. Okay. Um, well, at the core of what I'm up to, I'm a mother of three. So as you also, a mother, know that that is, that's where it starts. Um, we were just chatting beforehand and I was talking about how my oldest is uh, in driver's school right now, which is just like blowing my whole mind out. Um, and then I have a 13 and a half year old and then I have a six year old daughter um, whose name is also Clover, which has gotten a little bit confusing <laughs> being the brand ambassador for a company with the same name of no relation. Um, so <laughs> I do that and I live in Austin, Texas, but, but really my main gig is for your inspirations. I do a lot of creative consulting for them and writing some designing. My product lines are through them, you know, my yarn lines. Um, I'm working on, I'm promoting my finger knitting book, um, which has been really fun. I haven't done a book that was specifically for kids before, um, my very first book was Kids Garments, but this is for kids, and that's really been a lot of fun. And I'm working on my, gosh, I guess it'll be ninth book now. Wow. I'm just finishing up writing that one. Um, this is going to be Baby Garments. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of like this isn't that, you know, mm. I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing and blogging and, you know, all the hustle that you do in this industry. Um mm just to uh just to keep being creative 
Exactly. I think um, my main gig is though, like my main, I, this is not necessarily something that, you know, I'm employed at, but I really feel like my main role in this industry is to kind of be the jazz hands of it. It's really important to me to encourage people to be creative, um, you know, with yarn or really with anything. Um, and I don't care if you're just knitting garter stitch scarves or if you decide to delve into the most complicated stranded work. I just want you to create. And so that's what I really feel like my primary role is. That's what I spend my most time doing is just sort of rah-rahing that because mm -hmm. I think it's something that's important. I think being creative and putting something out into the world that's positive is important. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't talk enough about how this industry, crafting, creating, knitting, crocheting, whatever it is, contributes to that. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think that's a really important point that you make about being more of an encourager and a coach, right? Than, than uh, you know, because as far as uh, you kind of, um, when you, I guess when you encourage someone to pick up their needles and, you know, start a pattern and you try to instruct them in the right way, it's more, what's more important is I think, you know, leading them in the right way and, and, and making them feel, um, you know, confident that they're on the right direction and that they can do this. And that, you know, if they see something that they really love and they want to make it, go ahead and try, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, you got to rip back. It's not like your knee, your, your yarn is going to uh, disintegrate and fall apart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's always really surprising to me. Not surprising, disheartening to me when people, when I see the fear in people's eyes, mm. you know, like, uh, the, the fear of failure, even for something that seems as inconsequential. And I don't want to, I don't want to like, I'm not putting down obviously my own craft, but you know, we're, it's not curing cancer. Like this is something, this is creating, right? If there's so much fear behind that, it just sort of breaks my heart that people feel that bound to perfection. And so part of the, the message that I really hope to, you know, get out there is that choose something that's attainable and start there. And then the sky's the limit. I do a lot of quickie projects. I don't spend as much time as I used to designing larger garments or more complex garments because I came to a point in my life a few years ago where I was so overwhelmed and I thought I cannot be the only woman parent working person out there that feels stretched this stretched all the time. And so many people tell me that they use their crafting, knitting, crocheting, whatever their method of being creative is as a point of relaxation. But I also hear a lot of defeat at not finishing products, or excuse me, projects, not finishing those. And I decided that I do not want to be another thing in their life that causes that stress. I wanted to put things out there that were absolutely attainable by busy people. Because it's, it, it's less important to me that they're building their skills and progressing, although I hope that they do and find the time and find the life space to do that because 
that sense of accomplishment is is wonderful for the soul. It's more important to me that they feel like they started something and finished it. And it wasn't one more thing in life that they felt that they let down. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Because, you know, and I think that's what it's about right there, that they can start something and finish it, you know, and feel that, that, you know, fulfillment just from doing that. And I, and especially if, you know, I've seen this example happen in yarn shops, especially where, you know, someone will walk in and they want to make a sweater or they want to, you know, create this gorgeous piece. And this idea of finishing the piece is daunting or it's portrayed in that way. Like, oh, this is, you know, you have to learn the mattress stitch and you got to do this special thing and then you have to block it. And, you know, I think that what happens is, uh, Well, sometimes yarn shop owners, I've seen them say, well, that's okay, I'll finish it for you. So then you're taking that power away from, you know, from the knitter being able to try to accomplish this thing themselves and say, look, I made this from start to finish, you know, so I think that's a really, really necessary thing that we need to bring to, uh, you know, to knitters. And it's something that I try to do a lot in creative knitting, you know, and, you know, trying to make the magazine like this go to resource, this, uh, you know, that it's an attainable, that all the patterns, that anything that you decide to create is something that you can create with confidence. And, you know, skill levels do make me a little bit nuts too. I have to (laughs) tell you, I mean, um, it's so subjective. It is. And and then you, it means that you're putting someone into this box, like you are, if it says intermediate, that means you're an intermediate knitter. And that's, you know, it's not the case. I mean, um, and so what I did was I changed from the CYCA's four skill levels, and we went up to six. And really, what we did was we just expanded, we just opened them up, you know, so we've got, you know, like an advanced beginner, Um, we changed advanced to, we added a moderately challenging after intermediate and then challenging, you know, so for example, challenging, I think is a much more realistic word for people than advanced. Because think of the word challenge, like, you know, when you say, instead of saying, I have a problem, you turn that around and say, I have a challenge and I'm going right. to, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat this or I'm going, you know, so uh, you find a solution for the challenge. And so just by changing that up, I think has really helped yeah, the knitter really feel empowered, you know, to not feel like uh, they're in that box. So I mean, it takes it takes a while, you know, it's something that we've been really trying to cultivate. So yeah, I mean, I commend you on everything you're doing in that respect as well. Well, I think, you know, I think that sometimes we're our own worst enemies, too. Um, Mm. You know, I just I hear some of the hate happening online you know, just about people and their projects or what they only like, they're only scarf knitters, or they're only this or they're only that. And I know I got a lot of shit for, you know, being at sort of the forefront of teaching people to arm knit. And then when I put out a finger knitting book, I had a I had a bunch of like, you you know, I I shouldn't say a bunch, you always (laughs) remember the negatives, I had some pushback on that, too. Really? For me? Yeah, because how traditionalists, uh, people are traditionalists. And they think that, why, you know, why would you do that? That's the easier way than going this way. And my whole gig is I just want, I mean, that's a kid's book. I just want people to pick up the yarn. To me, these are all gateways. So what I want to do is show you all the different things. Like I will wrap it around a vase or I will pick up size zero needles and, you know, knit some socks. But the point is, is that you take this ball of string (laughs) 
or whatever it is, and you turn it into something. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. And then that something can then be something that you give to someone else that puts a smile on their face. It's that basic. Like we're in this big technological world. It's really still that basic. Just taking the time to put a little piece of yourself into something and putting it out into the world. And that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, is that you do. And I see this with the magazine. You, I get caught up with those people that are, this is how it needs to be. And this is black and white. Like this is how you knit, you know, Fair Isle <laughs> or, you know, and it, it just, it does make me a little bit nuts because, you know, you really, I mean, do they, there have to be rules for every single aspect of our knitting. And so it's like, where do you, you balance that, you know? Well, and frankly, they're, they're, there isn't because it's an oral tradition, right? So everybody learned from their foremothers. It's like a game of telephone. Um, and you'll, so even amongst professional industry professionals, there are disagreements about what a make one is. Oh, right. Yeah. Don't get right? me started. <laughs> and, and they're all right. That's the thing. Because it was an oral tradition passed down from generation to generation, even though there has been some standardizing now because of the CYC, it, it's, there's still a lot of room for interpretation. And so for me, I'm just like, if it gets the job done, like more power to you. I'm there with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Um, so, you know, uh, I want you to talk about a pivotal moment in your life that turned you on to knitting. Because I know knitters have stories. I, I, I know you have a story in there, you know, like, and maybe it had to do with, you know, a time of loss or change or something like that. So I want you to dig deep and, and tell me that. It's not that deep. Story. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not that deep. I'm trying to get those stories, man. <laughs> well, no, it, there's a story. No, but, I mean, my mom tried to teach me to knit when I was, I don't want to say eight. She taught me to crochet then. And knitting, I just... I just wasn't into it. Like, I just was not into it. It was too cumbersome. I mean, I think probably this is at the root why, the, like, the finger knitting and arm knitting is important to me now because I remember how turned off I was by the two needles and how my hands just couldn't do it. So to be able to get kids to do that now, I identify. But um, my cat's scratching in the background. I can hear him scratching oh, on the door. I can't um, hear anything, but, so it's all good. But um, so I didn't like it. So it took 18 years, 20 years, maybe, for me to come back to it. And I was, you know, super crafty and did everything else but not knit. And a girlfriend of mine, it was really popular in L.A. where I used to live about, gosh, this would have been in about 2000, 2000, probably, 2001. And it was just... It was just that when that resurgence was happening and knitting and that's really when everybody was like taking it back and reclaiming it and all the things that we had to do then that are no longer necessary um, to reclaim it from the grandmothers and all of that thing, which now we embrace that we're all part of this group. But at the time, it was like a thing, you, you know, fist raised kind of thing. And so I was, I was like, I don't know. And I had a girlfriend who said, Vicki, you're the craftiest person I know. It's crazy that you're not knitting. And I was also pregnant with my second son, my son Tristan, at the time. And, you know, like many people, when you're, when you're pregnant, you're like, eh, I can knit something. You know, I can knit something. Um, and so my friend Tracy took me down to the Knittery Parisian in Studio City. 
is it Sherman Oaks? I think it's Studio City. And um, Edith I taught me. She retaught me. And then my mom helped me um, after that. And so I started then, and it was just sort of this weird epiphany. I picked up the needles then, and I never stopped. Mm. And when was and, this? When, what, like? Oh, gosh. Well, let's see. My son Tristan was born in 2002, and I think I was just barely. Pre- so, you know, in the like 2000, 2001, I distinctly remember being a knitter during September 11th because that was really that was that was really a time where and there weren't blogs then but there were a few boards where people talked to and I remember there being a couple of people talking about how they really like picked up their needles then and that kind of thing so it must have been within probably six months of then that I had started wow. um, because I do distinctly remember the comfort that everybody found in it um so yeah, and I and it just it clicked in a way that you know, I mean, I had had craft businesses before that too. It just for whatever reason knitting just felt right. And then I of course, you know, still crocheted as well. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you that. So you were already crocheting before you were knitting, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, since I was 8. Not yeah. I would not say consistently, but I still have blankets that I made, like little granny square blankets that I made when I was about that age, like little doll blankets. Oh, that's so cool. So and I know before we ha- started this interview, you were, you were wondering about doing video. So maybe we'll have to have you come on another time and you'll do a little show and tell of your doll yeah, blankets. Yeah, well, the only reason it's because <laughs> I, went to, I, I went to the gym right before that. <laughs> and well, then I did the mother taxiing thing where I was dropping off kids. So oh, nobody yeah. needs to see that. Nobody needs, no, except for you. You're staring at me right that, now. But. I am. That's okay. <laughs> and I totally relate. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely have to do a video thing. That's, that's yeah. phase two of the Power Pearls podcast. And so I'd like you to come along yeah. for the ride, Vicki. Um, but since you're kind of talking about the family, taxiing, all that, because I was going to ask you, because, you know, you're like this everywhere, one of those everywhere people, you know, and you have your hand in many pots. And I see you as this PR powerhouse, seriously, you know, and so how do you do it? How do you balance, you know, how do you stay on track with your business goals and stay actionable, you know, and 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 ha- get the, you know, the family life balance thing going? <laughs> Look at what? Oh, not well. Sometimes. Not well. Because <laughs> you know what they say, there's no such thing as balance. So that's true. So like every time you fight it, I just can't get balance. I can't. It's no. like, well, just stop you trying. Just, uh, yeah, you just got <laughs> to give it up. Um, I mean, do you schedule things at certain times? Like when the I kids are... I don't schedule. No. I know you're a big scheduler. Oh, it's ridiculous. And I am not at all. Um, and I've had to for survival schedule more. I'm much more comfortable with improv just overall Mm. in life. I'd rather not have a script to work off of. I'd rather not have a plan. I'd Mm. rather just like get up in front of a crowd of people and speak from the heart. That's brave. is no I don't have to remember anything then. see and I know I, I admire that because you know fear is what I you know I'll say oh I have to have a script and if I'm gonna talk I need bullets bullet points in my head at least you know and well, that's hard, though because it's gonna go the way that you know it's gonna go for me it's a crapshoot it might go well <laughs> it might not who knows um but okay I'm getting off track that's brave so do I schedule yeah. things so now I, okay. I mean You know, now that my youngest is in school, well, she's about to be in first grade, but she was in kindergarten, that sort of helped there be a little bit more of a schedule because I had actual work time. I work from home most of the time unless I'm traveling. And so that's both a blessing and a curse. It was really important to me to be here when the kids got home from school. Um, And so that's been great. 
the sort of opposite end of that scale, which can tip the balance in the negative, can be that I'm always working. Mm-hmm. I'm never not working if I'm not, you know, doing something with the family and the kids. But even then, like I'm downstairs and we're all watching TV together. Of course, I'm knitting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's cool because our career lets us do some more of that than others. But at the same time, there's not a big license for me to just like come up into my office and just like craft or whatever, mm-hmm. because I see the, I'm staring at a whole list of, of post-its right now of things that are due. You know, I see piles everywhere. I see charity stuff that I have woefully neglected that I should be boxing it. So, so there's both of that. So I just do the best I can, you know, Mm. I try to, I try to work as much as I can in the hours where everybody else is someplace else and then fit everything in where it fits. And you know what? It doesn't always fit and it doesn't always work out. Um, I, as I get older, I've found more and more that it's okay to say no to things, which is still really hard, but really important for, for balance. And I've also found that we're all, we're at this place in society where everybody has too many jobs and too much work and is over, you know, and this and this Absolutely. and that. So we're also a little bit more un- empathetic and sympathetic about, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. Can I have some wiggle room? Hey, mm-hmm. can I? It's a lot easier to, I don't want to say admit defeat, but let there be an ebb and flow between the people you're working with. Um, and so I, I think as I get older, the balance is found a little bit more with tr- with the trust and the relationships that I've built work-wise. And, and hopefully that, that it goes in the reverse, that people know that I have their back as well. That I'm going to, mm-hmm. if you need me, I'm there 100% and I will bend over backwards. But if there are times where you know I'm having like one of those days and you give me that extra 24 hours to turn something in, I will be there for you any moment of any day for anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I really feel like that's something in our industry and possibly in other industries. I can only speak to the one that I'm in. Um, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to agree with that as well. I feel like we're really blessed to be uh, part of this yarn industry. Um, it's, and it's small. It's a very small industry. I feel like, you know, um, we're we're kind of in the same similar place. I mean, you you said before this. It's great to be in the craft field as a knitter. You you you're it's like work and the craft blend together. Like where do you the lines are blurred, you know what I'm saying? In in many respects too. And it's it's a, it's such an integral part of what we do every day. So it's really hard to say I'm drawing the line here. Yeah. I'm working well, especially with social uh, <laughs> media because PR you mentioned PR. Um, do you do all that yourself? You have I'm just curious. Really? I thought for sure she has an agency (laughs) because it's amazing. And I know because you love it. I could tell it is, it has your signature. Everything you do is you. I can see that, you know, and I'm like, Uh, either she's doing it herself or she's got the most amazing publicist ever (laughs) that knows her inside and out. I would love about an (laughs) amazing publicist. Although I don't know if I could relinquish control. I'm a double Scorpio. So it's with a Virgo rising, like what else am I going to (laughs) do? Um, so I, I don't feel that I've found the balance between PR and being creative. Mm-hmm. Though. That's one thing that I really, I spend more time. It's interesting, especially with my role with Your Inspirations, um, who's owned by Spinrite. When I started with them, well, I started with Karen before they merged. It was as a designer. 
and then a, you know, quote unquote celebrity uh, spokesperson. And now I would say I do a thimble full of design and the majority of what I do is PR based, social media videos, you know, ambassadorship type things. And it's been an interesting shift. Um, my role is less and less about the creative and more and more about getting other people to be creative. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I'm okay with that. And sometimes I miss, sometimes I miss not spending so much time physically making, but that may not be my role right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe it will be again. But there's so many uh, wonderful designers and teachers out there that maybe my place is to give that exposure, to give, to get people interested in, in partaking. And, you know, who knows? Who knows where this journey will lead? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, it, though, at some point, I know for myself, you know, I love editing the, the I love recording the episodes. I love editing the podcast. But then there's something to be said about relinquishing things. And, and like, yeah. of course, at my job at Creative Knitting, I have to do that on certain things. Or in the end, I'll be very unhappy. And, and then I won't be able to think of the big picture things. Yeah. And like you said, being able to sit down and craft or, you know, uh, create and let others like there was a saying that I heard once, I don't even remember who said it, um, but that you should let someone else do something if you think they will do it 80% as well as you can. Even 80, mm. you're like, but what about the, the other 20%? Yeah. I'm going to worry. But you know what? Uh, sometimes you have to accept that's okay because obviously nothing's perfect, right? I mean, like not to be trite or anything, but it's like, like, of course, you know that. But sometimes when I say that out loud to myself, like one day I said, hmm, I'm trying to be perfect in an imperfect world. Hmm, go figure, you know, like as far as getting all I the ducks think I try to be in perfect. a row. I just tried to survive. Well, and I'm, but I, I'm one of those people that suffers yeah. from the analysis, you know, paralysis thing and, you know, trying to put the ducks in a row. And it's just, it hurts. Like, why do I even try so hard when I know yeah. it's not possible? What's going on? You know, that's interesting. I don't think that I do that. But I think that I do the what's the next thing thing all the time instead of mm -hmm. sitting on the thing sitting with the thing that I have now The sort of like Buddhist being pregnant, pre present thing is yeah. something that I really struggle with. And I think so for me, it's not even necessarily about relinquishing control. I think I create my own glass ceiling sometimes by mm. doing all of it myself because then there's not time to explore what that thing is because I love, I, it's not just the physical, physical creation of like pieces. It's the creation of the next big project. I love that process. And there's not time to do that without creating more stress and sort of like self-defeating moments if you're trying to do all of the little things yourself. And I love the social media stuff. I probably would not give that up, but I need to start having contributors um, on my own website. I need to start focusing a little bit more on my own stuff and not just on promoting everybody else's. And, and that's something I think that'll come, you know, but you know, we have kids to feed and mm -hmm. mortgages to pay and all of that grown up stuff too. So sure. that's well, part of it. Maybe you need a, a virtual assistant. I did have one. I did have one for some time, and and she handled all of the, all of the emails, um, just the general inquiry mm -hmm. emails, and and I do get a lot of help from um, 
from the Yarnspirations customer service stuff for pattern stuff. So that's huge because I just don't have time to answer people's mm-hmm. pattern questions. And that's such bad customer service, but that's just not what I do right now. There's mm-hmm. just not those hours. Yeah. Um, so I'm very grateful. And all anything that has to do with anything Bernat, Peyton's, Lily, Yarnspirations, promotional that way, they handle that, which is good. But anything mm-hmm. for my own my own actual brand I'm, I'm covering, but you know what? It's really important that people do that. Designers do that in our industry. Mm, I mean, good point. there, I always say there are many, many, many de- better designers out there than I am, but I excel at promotion mm-hmm. and, and it's really important that people can be their own advocates, not just in life, but with their, ba- their brand and their business and their designs. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so you as can create something beautiful, but if you're not showing it to people, then you're not going to be able to feed your kids and pay the mortgage or whatever it is that, that you need to do for your life. Mm, absolutely. So as a yarn designer and business owner, what is your, I'm sorry, a yarn designer, <laughs> as a designer, well, that's, that's or a yarn designer, I guess. I yeah. Mean, I, I did. <laughs> choose all the colors for my yarn and the fiber. This is, oh my gosh, this is true. Well, as a business owner, what would you say is your biggest struggle? Because we can kind of dig into this. I know we were saying that during the pre-chat. Yeah, yeah, I mean, part of it is what we've been talking about, you know, balance. But I think that Mm -hmm. that's just a life issue. I don't think, I don't think our industry is unique in that way. But, but what may be unique, and this is, is that unless you want to go the corporate route, there are very few it's very hard to make a living in our industry. And this is something, this is actually, a, I, I've talked to Trisha Malcolm about this. I've talked to you before about this. I've talked to Karen Strom about this before. Uh, many of the industry leaders. In an industry that is fed by a large majority by a female consumer, female hobbyist, female fans, it's very difficult to make a living in this industry. And it makes me, and it irritates me because the fashion industry, the food industry, there are other industries that, that have a strong female contingent, and that's not an issue. Designers cannot make a living in our industry just designing. They cannot. They have to also teach, or they have to get licensing deals, or they have, and, not or, and they need to also look for, you know, spokesperson gigs, or they need to freelance as tech editors, or, and, or, and, or, and, or, and. So the, the challenge is, is that it's hard to give the focus to anything, to any one thing, so that you can really truly give yourself to that passion, because so much time has to be spent just piecing things together. And it's something that's really important. I really want to change that. I'm fortunate. I'm able to make a really, you know, decent living. But it, but it's because I hustle all of the time and I happen to have landed a really strong spokesperson gig. But it's, But I still have to have, I still am writing books and I'm still doing, you know, occasional appearances and I'm still, you know, still, 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 still hustling for the next thing. And I would just love for there to be a career path in our industry. But you know what I think the problem is, is that 
And I was in the designer's shoes too, you know, working as a designer. But that wasn't the only thing I did. I mean, I worked as an, a freelance editor and a freelance illustrator. And I made more money, you know, in the as an illustrator, as an editor, but the least as a designer. So for yeah. me, that was like the vanity outlet. I mean, I enjoyed it. But unfortunately, that work in itself, as humbling as, as you know, it is hard work to design a garment and to grade that garment. And, you know, it's not as valued in the industry as other things. Uh -uh. It's uh -uh. the design itself. It's like a commodity now. And you know that, Vicki. I mean, now that we've I got do. free everywhere, and that's a problem, even more of a problem for designers. And when I was still in the industry as a designer, um, I was on the board and an, and an active member of the Association of Knitwear Designers. And I don't remember if you know that group. And it was it's defunct now. It used to be called... Yeah. Uh, professional knitwear designers. But anyway, it ended up being Association of Knitwear Designers. And we were working on getting a seal. Uh, and you had to go through a rigorous process to get uh, approved to be a considered a professional designer. And then, of course, Ravelry came on board. And everybody's a designer, right? Mm -hmm. And that's fine. It's it's an open, it's a, it's a level playing field. But every time there's more free patterns and every time there's a pattern that's not written well, it devalues that pattern more and more. And then people are not willing to put a dollar sign on it. They're not willing to pay for it. And people are just, you know, willing to sometimes, you know, just copy plain out of a book or a magazine, you know, yeah. and so, and I don't know how that's going to change, but the, as, as yeah. far as paying for that, now that it is considered a commodity, you know, and, uh, but I think my best advice, and I always give this, and it'll be kind of like the regular, you know, the common thread through this podcast is, you know, you got to get scrappy. You said it too, getting scrappy. That's my favorite, favorite way of phrasing it, you know, more than just designing, because, you know, when I did that illustration work, when I went back to my design work, it was like with fresh eyes and I was excited and I knew I wasn't going to make a ton of money on that pattern, but boy, I'm having a good time. And for me, the fire was sitting down with the graph paper, with my pencils and sketching the design. Um, you know, and so that was where it was for me. That was the excitement and hustling. Well, you know, it's gonna, it's like that, you know, in business is in general, it's just getting that, that it is that way. And if you really want to make a living, a real living in this industry, I believe it's possible, but you have to be uncommon. Yeah. I mean, it is possible. We're doing it. Um, you just have to fight. And look, to speak to the patterns thing, that's a tough one. And I'm contributing to that problem. I know that. Um, for me, I consider those, those patterns are my PR budget. Mm -hmm. Those patterns bring people to my site or to, you know, whatever it is that I need to promote. I use that as my personal promotion budget because I don't have an actual promotion budget. Mm. So for me, mm. there is value in that. I'm very conscious of how it devalues it for others. You know, and I think with yarn companies, I think it started with yarn companies. Um, they're trying to sell yarn. Well, it takes patterns to sell yarn. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just sort of this vicious cycle. Now, if the, if the yarn companies are paying their designers a livable wage. Well, are they? I don't know. Unless, I mean, I know that uh, when you there's work no on. standards. So if some you're on, are and some aren't. Exactly. If you're on staff with a yarn company, then you're, you know, you're making a living. But I, I, you know, I talk to a lot of designers that are out there scrambling, you know, that are, 
that are freelance designers and they're working for multiple companies and it, it's it's extremely hard and so if you're 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 you can't you know and so you're teaching you know and that's that's a whole other thing too i mean the burnout that's involved yeah. with teaching and I can't on the do that. circuit I, have kids. <sighs> I mean i do it online i like that's that's a technology man is my it's, best friend because I want to be physically present, present here, but that's, that's brutal. You have to travel and the travel isn't covered most mm-hmm. times. Um, you know, I see these people hitting the, hitting every show and props, man. They're, it's impressive. I don't know They're how they doing do it. it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, and like what you were saying though, about online learning, you know, info products, you know, that is, that's huge. I mean, you know, like with Craftsy and we've got Annie's that do online classes, you know, as well. And so, but every time it's like you do it once, you put together this amazing production and you're making money over and over and over. Oh my gosh. My well, Craftsy class, I probably made more money on that than any. I'm so sad that it was retired. I, I was the third craft teacher. So it was old school. Mine didn't look like everybody else's. It was, it was not even on Craftsy. It was Simpo's first. And then I was one of the first Craftsy classes. And so I was so sad yeah. when that retired because that was absolute passive income. Absolutely. Passive and income is where it wonderful. is. That's where it's at. And that's, and if that, now that particular thing went away and that was, that was a big sort of like financial blow, I guess. But, but if I can give any advice to fellow designers, editors, whatever you are in this industry is that to seek out those pass those streams of passive income, mm-hmm. um, Sometimes books can be that, but you know, we go back to the free patterns thing. Knitting books only sell so so. That's another thing I consider part of my mm-hmm. PR budget. But anything that can sort of bring in the extra here and there, that vacation money, that, oh, my kids' tuitions do, whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, helps for those dry spots, those dry periods. Absolutely. And I, you know, I'm a big believer in, in all of that. You know, the, the passive income, the resources that are out there to do it, though, it is so. Oh, it's it's amazing how uh you know you can put together a class on Udemy or Zippy courses. I don't know if you've heard of any of these. Vicky, I haven't but, heard. I'm, I actually, um, I'm actually taking a Udemy class right now with uh, Pema Chodron. Do you know her? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we <laughs> that's another podcast. I mean, morning cool down. Yeah. I talk all about the mindfulness piece, but actually, yeah. no, we can we can talk about that because I think that all, totally fits in with knitting. Um, but that's another discussion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, but yes, you, I have heard of that. I have not heard of Zippy. But, Zippy uh, is new. That's um, uh, Derek. Derek Halpern is uh, is the uh, founder of Zippy courses. But it, it's it's a platform that you actually put into your own website. But the thing that I like about Udemy and and places like that, they do a lot of the marketing for you. So like if you're a busy designer and you're teaching and you're editing and you're you know, it's great. I don't mind. And yeah, they get a little bit of a cut, but um. I am happy for them yeah. to get. I'm happy to split it with mm-hmm. them. Absolutely, I agree. The numbers, 100. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another company, Creative Live, that I'm looking into. Um, then there's Creative Bug. There's a lot of them yeah. out there, and and honestly, I I love that. I feel like I can reach more people that mm-hmm. way than I ever possibly could, even if I didn't have children and I could be on the road 365 days a week. Mm-hmm. I love that I can reach people all over the world. I love that I get regular posts on my Facebook page that I don't understand because they're in a, they're in a different language that doesn't even use the alphabet that I can read. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. I could never do that if it weren't for online courses or or just even videos on YouTube. 
I know. And I think it's just thinking out of the box, too, because getting into onto a place, a platform like Udemy, uh, it's hitting a mainstream group. So it's like, what about, you know, you do something there that's a beginner knitter, or it's just like a lecture series, like empowering, empower your knitting, or mm-hmm. crochet and, and, and talk, you know, coming from the the encouraging factor and the lifestyle side, as opposed to we're talking about stitches today. I mean, you can yeah. do that too. But but like, that's what knitters need, just like you said before, you know, and like what even, you know, Steven Berg says, say yes to your knitting, you know, I mean, <laughs> he's, I had him on the morning cool down. I, it's funny how it's this like an interesting bridge. So we've got to get that, you know, yeah. get him on here. But, um, but that's it. I mean, so I, I think that if any, you know, designers are out there listening, that's it. It's like, think differently. Like we have opportunities like in the mainstream uh, arena, to do more than just in our little world. I mean, we can do something where we're, sh- we're introducing this whole new th- concept and, you know, talk about it in a conversational way and how it can make you feel calm and healthy. And, uh, you know, med- it's almost a meditative act. Um, so I'm, totally taking, I'm going to take a selfie of our screenshot. Right oh, now. <laughs> should I, should I, okay. I'll smile. Smile. Actually, maybe I should just do it. Oh, that's the so cool. <laughs> Oh, that's a good, yeah, that'd be great. Let's see if I can. I haven't thought of that. Keep talking. I haven't thought of doing that one yet. Yeah, I almost forgot. That's right. We're on a podcast. This is what I do. (laughs) I know you do. It's so awesome. Keep talking. And you have, and you have a, a, a very supportive husband that's, you know, my husband is too. It's like, you know, uh, he's, he gets frustrated. But at the same time, he says, well, don't change the way you are because obviously I married you because you're such a crazy lady, you know, because <laughs> I'm always saying, oh, I know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I am always coming up with this, the next thing and I must make you crazy and I'm jibber jabbering about all my ideas, you know, but hey, that's why they love us, isn't it? My husband, yeah, I mean, my husband, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm helping this family as much as he is. Of so course. he doesn't give me, he does not... He does not breathe a word of discontent about what I do professionally. And actually, he's um, he shoots and edits some of the videos that I do for Yarnspirations, or all of the ones that aren't just like my hands, if you're seeing me. Oh. He does all the editing and shooting of them. Yeah. How so cool. he participates. Yeah. So it's good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. There, yeah. My husband's great. He He's like, he's so silent. You know, he's, he just says, yeah, whatever. Uh, it's, it's all in my head. It's all in my head, by the way. So yeah. do you have a, a funny story? I, I wanted to ask, you know, like a funny, I know you have funny stories. So a funny knitting story or, or something quirky about how you knit or, you know, like, think, did yeah, you, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I was thinking about this one. You sent this one to me earlier and it's yeah. I, like, I felt, I feel quirky in like just my daily life. I don't know that I feel all that quirky in my knitting. It's so funny. Like, I wish that I had like a, like a Patty Lyons moment where I was talking about <laughs> Portuguese purling with it around my neck or, or, uh, you know, an Annie Modisa moment of being just a general like anarchist when it comes to her knitting method. I really don't. I am so boring in the way that I, I, I just, I, you know, I guess if it's a quirk, it's that I like to start things that I can, that it's at all realistic for me to finish. That does not mean that I finished, finish anything that's not for work, but I like the idea of, of having a finished product. But um, well, I don't know. I think well, I'm pretty boring when it comes to my knitting method. Well, what about like a weird place that you've ever knitted? Do you have like a weird 
place or you know, on a trip. Is it weird you for me to say that or... I don't think there are any, <laughs> there that there nothing... are any weird places? Like, I don't think I, – I'm a huge proponent of – because everybody – not everybody – people often say I don't have time to knit or there's never time. And I, for me, it's like the, you fit it in where you can. So I'm a big proponent of always having something in your bag so that if you're standing in line at the grocery store, I always do that. Like I'll knit a few sti- mm-hmm. stitches, um, you know, at the sideline of a game on the airplanes, on the, you know, I've, I take them on, sometimes I'll have something stashed if I'm at an amusement park and I could be up in a ride. Yeah. Knitting. knitting. I guess so the- <laughs> maybe those are, weird but for me I don't think there are weird places because we as busy people have to fit it in where we you got to take it where you can get it yeah I I guess I should rephrase that question because knitters don't think any place is weird to knit (laughs) except did you ever see this was years ago a couple years ago I guess where someone was knitting not yeah they were knitting at um the the tennis thing like the what do they call that the The world the the open because it's so pristine and you know, proper, and she's knitting, and and she got reprimanded for knitting there. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and I was one like, of my girlfriends does some work for the opera, the San Francisco Opera. She um, does some archiving for them, and she found something from it must have been the turn of the century that it was like a specific rule and regulation that you were not allowed to knit within the, you had to keep your knitting silent, you know, cause that was probably a thing and needles are loud. Um, so that was really funny. Um, but I mean, I was just knitting at the Texas Rangers game, you know, at a stitch and pitch. I don't know. I think because there are things like stitch and pitch, it's no longer all that weird to be places mm-hmm. and your needles and, and don't... public, public knitting places like events are everywhere. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. if your needles are going to make noise, then that could be an issue if you're, I don't know, in front of a mime act. I, I don't know. When would that be an issue? There's always there's always noise. Well, I think that, um, well, we have bamboo needles, so they don't have, they're not mm-hmm. noisy, right? So back in the day, they probably had have that rule that you mentioned because you're, you know, what were you right. yeah. knitting with aluminum or whatever, <laughs> whatever. Right. but um, some people uh, m- that are non-knitters might think you're being antisocial, but- because you know you're you're focused yeah. on your knitting but you're not you're like engaged with I mean I feel more engaged when I'm knitting and in fact it's I like smoking re- it's like it's a thing like it's a, the, <laughs> a thing that you just do is to keep part of yourself busy right so hopefully you're knitting instead of smoking but you know what I'm right. saying or like flipping through your phone while you're talking to someone it's it's like a it's a, it's a method to help you focus or a method to help you feel like you're not socially awkward or whatever it is because it gives your hands something to do yeah, I mean, like when I'm watching a movie that I sat down, oh, I'm going to watch this movie right now. You know, I'm going to watch Titanic and I'm going to knit or whatever. <laughs> you know. Where'd you pull Titanic out of? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did we go back to the 90s for a second? <laughs> I don't know. Every First time I time travel and then I pull out my knitting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I mean, anyway, so I guess yeah. that, that has to be a rephrase rephrased question but although it, it will bring up some really cool conversations so I think yeah. I'll keep it um, no no I mean I think some people <laughs> probably have answers I just of course maybe, maybe there's my quirk I don't find it weird to knit anywhere but some people might think it's antisocial and that you're not paying attention and I've well, had those kind I, of I things so knit something complex in a crowd of people but if it's something yeah. that if I'm just working on a you know huge piece of stockinette or whatever I don't necessarily need to look down much and it's different with crochet. You have to look down a lot more because there's not a needle holding the stitches like securely. So it's a lot easier to be social with knitting, I've found mm. personally, than with crochet because there's not as much looking down. 
Yeah, good point. Haven't thought about that. So let's switch gears up a little bit before the wrap up, because we've been on, this is great, we've been talking for a while. So now I want to ask you, what is the best advice you've ever received? That has to do with knitting? It can be anything. anything. Like, you know, because, you know, knitting dictates life, life dictates knitting. and uh, But like just something that stands out in your mind, it could be the weirdest advice that just sort of, you know, you know, was an epiphany or a catalyst moment or something like that. Well, I have, I have a few things. One had to do with my business, and that was from uh, Kathy Cano Maria, who's she's known as Crafty Chica. This was, gosh, maybe nine years ago, and I was still uh, updating my own website at that point. Um, you know, so I'm spending hours, like, you know, editing pictures, which I still do, but then uploading and then writing the descriptions and then doing all of it. And I was just so overwhelmed at the time, and she, and she gave me a really good piece of advice to say, the things that are not going to make your family money, you should source out. Any, so in other words, and the same thing can go for if you can swing having a housekeeper come in once in a while. You're not going to make your family money or progress your career or progress your family necessarily by being the one to build your website, unless that's your business. I'm talking about us as, as designers or whatever, or scrubbing your toilet. So let that go a little bit and then use that time to work harder at whatever the goal is. That was a big one for me. I try to apply it and I'm still not great at it as, you know, with other parts of my life that I think are applicable. And we were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one I think is from my mom. And she just, she said to me before, time passes no matter how you spend it. And I try to, and I try to, every time I think like, oh, I'm too old to start this or I shouldn't do this or da 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 Like all of that time where I'm hemming and hawing this could just, it could just be happening. I could just be doing it. Um, And I think that that's something that applies to being creative too. You know, Mm -hmm. you're, if you're sitting in front of the TV, like the time's going to pass if you're only watching Penny Dreadfill or if you're watching (laughs) it while, you know, knitting a beautiful sweater. Mm. Great advice. So now I'd like you, you to share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success? Um, Probably just incorporating what I love into my lifestyle. I think the only way to survive the hustle that we've been talking about is if you incorporate it into your life. And thanks to technology, that's easy, um, relatively. It would be so overwhelming if you had to sit down in front of a computer to do every single thing. Um, but thanks to smartphones and, you know, tablets and, and everything else, you can take a picture of a really cool yarn display in an anthropology window and post it from your phone as you're paying for your kid's ice cream, Mm. you know, and reach out to your followers to say, this is really me. I'm really looking, I really do enjoy this. Do you too? And you're, so you're working-ish, mm-hmm. but it's part of your lifestyle. You know, you've got your you've got your project in your bag. You pull it out. Maybe you take a picture because you want to show your progress, but you're also at your child's game or, you know, waiting for a movie to start with your husband or whatever it is, and you just incorporate it mm. instead of um, specifically setting time aside for every single mm. thing. Because mm-hmm. there aren't enough hours to allocate to things. You have to let some of it just come organically. That's great advice. Because, you know, nothing's black and white, you know. And like we said earlier, the lines, you know, 
they're blurred, you know, they're blurred nowadays between business and, you know, you're, especially when you work from home, you know, it's that yeah. bus- the business yeah. aspect and family. And so uh, that's, that's really, that's great advice. Um, so before we say goodbye, I want to ask you based on your own wisdom, and what you've learned in this industry, what would you give? What kind of advice would you give someone wanting to start out in this industry? Now, I know we we went into this a little earlier, you yeah. know, but just now, can you add to that? It's kind of parting advice, wisdom. Um, depending on well, no, not not depending on what you want to do, unless you want to work for you know one of the corporations within the industry, which is also awesome. But if you don't want to do that, I think it's really important that you invest some time and learning about grassroots marketing and social media. There are so many wonderful resources out there. Um, There's HubSpot. There's a great book called The Art of Social Media by Guy Kawasaki Mm -hmm. and Peg Fitzgerald that I think is sort of the best tactical guide that I've read so far. Um, You know, listen to podcasts or or audiobooks or every once in a while, I know CHA had put on um, a workshop um, I want to say Creative Live has one on Instagram. Anytime that you can spend some time, and I know that, and this has nothing to do with your knitting. This is just something that you can do for yourself. Take some time to learn about promoting yourself, and it'll make the rest of your job so much easier. Because the bottom line is, editors aren't only looking anymore at how talented you are. They want, they're also looking for how large your voice is, mm. whether it's on your blog or on Instagram or on Pinterest, because that's where that's where we are as a society right now. It still is a number games, numbers game, but the numbers mean different things now. So it's really important to not be afraid. Don't let the fear block you promoting yourself because you're your own best advocate, mm-hmm. not only in life, but in this in this industry, especially. Great advice. And not only that, I mean, you know, being that solution person, you know, for like you said, editors are looking for designers that, you know, that they're not afraid to promote themselves. But also, uh, you know, editors are busy, you know, and we want, uh, we want designers to, to come to us with solutions and how they can fill holes, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And be like that scrappy business person, you know, yeah. that I mentioned earlier. So yeah, taking courses on how to promote and, you know, how do we, how you apply that to your, your business. And I think that's what it is where, you know, where that you, you come to knitting, you love it, you want to turn it into a business somehow. But, um, but really, really taking yourself out there, you know, to, to learn more. And, and I listen to podcasts all the time. I mean, when I'm running, when I'm washing dishes, you know, when I'm, you know, drying my hair, brushing my teeth, and you can basically get an education just from listening. What are your, to- what are your favorite podcasts? Well, you know, uh, I would say the right now, the one on the top of my list, and you, you got to check this one out. It's called uh, Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. Ooh. Pat I like the sound of it. Yeah. And he, I also love this podcast simply because he is this, he's so genuine and you could just, he, like, he, sometimes you forget you're talking about a, a podcast about, you know, passive income. Um, he, he covers lots of different topics and a uh, great, great, amazing show. Uh, and then this other show I like uh, a lot is called The Rich Roll Podcast, but it's, uh, he's an ultra marathon runner, vegan. It's a whole other <laughs> spectrum. Yeah. Um, and so on the wellness, you know, on the wellness side, but, uh, you know, I should put up my, my favorite podcast yeah, you li- should. listening you should list. Post that. Yeah, well, definitely. So, um, but this is great. So, so Vicki, how can the listeners find out more about you? 
they can go to my website, which is www.vickiehowell.com. It's V-I-C-K-I-E-H-O-W-E-L.com. Or they can follow at Vicki Howell on everything except for Pinterest, where I am. I am Vicki Howell. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, thanks for and joining. Also, oh. <laughs> I blog weekly. Sorry, I should have said this. I blog weekly for um, Yarnspirations and twice a month for the Clover USA blog. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today, Vicki. Thanks for having me. Okay, so before I sign off, I want to clue you in about a really exciting thing that's happening later this month. It's the Annie's Craft Festival, and it's happening in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the Grand Wayne Center, October 30th through November 1st. And this is a one-of-a-kind festival that's featuring classes taught by top instructors in knitting, of course, in crochet, quilting, sewing, card making, and many other crafting categories. There's also going to be an exclusive shopping area uh, offering a wide array of crafting merchandise, demonstrations, lectures, and there'll also be uh, many learn-to opportunities as well. And there's going to be some really cool evening events. Uh, on Friday night, there will be a gala dinner with New York Times bestselling author, Debbie Maycomer, and she will be the keynote speaker at the event as well. And then on Saturday night, October 31st, there will be a Halloween cocktails and crafts party, and I will be the MC at that event. So check it out by going to annie'scraftfestival.com, and you can find out how to register. You can check out all the classes. And also, I will be there at the Annie's booth. So please, I would love to see you. Come on over, stop by, come get a free copy of Creative Knitting, a free signed copy. And, you know, it's going to be a fun time. So I hope to see you. And that's October 30th. So it's Friday, October 30th through Sunday, November 1st. I hope to see you there. Bye.